Hi, welcome to another episode of the Visual Storytelling Today podcast. The show is designed for you, the marketer or entrepreneur, who may be looking for more effective ways to connect better with audiences through the exciting world of visual storytelling. We will introduce you to inspiring experts from diverse industries that bring fresh perspectives on how to capture attention, build trust, emotional empathy, and last but not least, drive business results. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Shlomi Ron, CEO of the Visual Storytelling Institute, based here in sunny Miami, Florida. We are all about bringing the gospel of visual storytelling from the world of art into marketing. We do it through training, consulting, and thought leadership like this podcast we're all in right now. <laughs> so one of the things that uh, caught my attention in the past month is obviously we've all been going through very hard times uh, through lockdown. And I came across this uh, interesting company uh, that actually did such, such an amazing uh, feat during this uh, tough period for everybody, uh, specifically in the cinema and the video streaming space. So uh, that's why the topic for today is gonna be all about what is virtual cinema? Something that I came across and to help me kind of unpack this exciting topic, I have two guests, uh, Michael Brown, he is the CEO uh, and founder of uh, Cyber New York. And with him is uh, Vinnie Kim, he's the uh, creative director at Cyber New York. And welcome to both of you to the show and I'm excited to have you both. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Excellent. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of blew my mind, you know, with your story of uh, last, uh, you know, spring and uh, the work that you've done in the virtual cinema, helping out uh, movie theaters. But before we're going to dig deeper into that, maybe, you know, we can uh, get a little bit uh, to know you and also uh, Vinny. Uh, what is your backstory? How you got uh, into uh, digital uh, video streaming and all that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm the founder of Cyber New York and uh, we're a digital agency that I started uh, in the late 90s, actually. So um, primarily we focused on e-commerce, but uh, from the beginning, we always had a strong presence with, within the arts whether that was uh, you know, uh, visual arts, uh, performance art, initially uh, arts publications mm -hmm. and film. So uh, that, that goes back to the late nineties. So um, that is the, the niche that we had carved out. So along the way, um, we perfected e-commerce solutions that catered to that community and specifically to independent film and film distributors. So we split our time working with uh, independent filmmakers and uh, distributors and more recently actual venues. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of fortuitous. Uh, we saw changes in, in coming with our clientele, believe it or not, uh, physical product sales such yeah. as DVDs and Blu-rays are still a large part of uh, revenue generation for our mm -hmm. clients. Yep. And uh, but we, we were concerned. We didn't want to be uh, the company that was making buggy whips <laughs> as, yeah. as cars were coming out. So, you know, I, I think about five years ago, we started talking about we need to 
really develop a cloud-based platform, which, which we did. It's called Logic, and that's our proprietary uh, content management system. Got it. And uh, that enabled us to uh, better facilitate the offerings that we're giving to the entertainment clients. And we started partnering with other uh, video platforms such as uh, Zype and Vimeo, to, to name a few, mm-hmm. to uh, make their offerings native within our platform. So a, a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, we saw that, okay, well, we need to move out of just being purely the content management system or the platform. We need to get into digital, uh, digital video and streaming because right. eventually physical product, you would expect that it would die out. It's still actually, it's very big with collectors, yep. but we, we wanted to be ahead of that. So um, we, this was a new world for us. Uh, we're, we were more of shopping cart and physical product. So we sat down, Ben and I sat down, uh, I would say uh, now like a year and a half ago in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were at a bar around the corner. We were, <laughs> we're in Brooklyn. We are at a bar with, with a couple of uh, uh, friends. And I proposed the idea. I said, we, we got to get into this. I think we should put on a film festival. And that's the only way we have to set a deadline yeah. That deadline will make us commit to it. And if we, we will promote it. And if we fail, we'll be humiliated. So yeah. it, we, we kind of have to commit to it. And after a few drinks, it's, yeah. it was really catching on. It was as real. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then the name, the name of the company cyber New York. So you could probably tell I'm, I'm a bit of a science fiction or a, yeah. a fan. So uh, I'm, I'm not, a film festival. I, I had never worked with a film festival before, so I thought science fiction was something I was passionate about. So that's that's yeah. a, the course that we would take. Oh, this is and uh, yeah. So we started. You know, we really had no idea, right, Ben? We absolutely none. None. Yeah, now you ben, actually. Do you want to kind of uh, tell your backstory? Ben, I should say, had worked. Ben yeah. had worked with film festivals. Yeah, I mean, yes, I had worked with some film festivals prior to this, but never in this capacity and never from the ground up. It was always mm. um, a, a business acquaintance or a business relationship with them. And oh, I, I always see. loved them. I was always interested and excited about them. Yeah. But this was different. This was something that, you know, we were creating from literally from a cocktail napkin. So it was it was it was exciting. Yeah. yeah, actually, from what I've been reading, you know, in the news, it seems like the, the virtual cinema trend has just picked up last year, pretty much, you know, with, I think, with your contribution. After us. After us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so you are really the pioneers yeah. that actually broke through that. But uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, how you really kind of uh, helped out, you know, all these closed movie theaters by working with distributors. Mm. Sure. Uh, so, you know, as I said, we, we decided to do this festival in 2019. By 2020, we were set to go to South by Southwest to promote the film festival. Uh, that was in March. And we were we had the legwork going. So we're already creating this video platform now. Now we're like six months into it. Yep. And so we're working with uh, a few independent film distributors uh, collaborating, like such as Kino is a big one with us. Yep. They're a longtime client very supportive uh, of, of our work. 
So we had a foot in the door. We were already working with Kino Lorber's mm. physical product. And now we were partnering with another video platform to get uh, their digital offering uh, out there, which is called Kino Now. Mm -hmm. So if all of these things had not happened in that sequence, right. we would not be involved with virtual cinema. So Interesting. Uh, it just goes to show uh, Kino Kino was very uh, forward thinking. They knew that they wanted to get into digital streaming. And uh, so they're a great partner to work with. So I think, uh, you know, fast forward several more months, it was must have been February. So we're not at a bar. Now we're at a coffee shop and we're talking about our strategy to promote. It was serious. At Southwest. Yeah, we're like, I'm like freaking out because I don't, you know, we're, we've got the rooms booked. Yeah. We've got a trade show booth. We got our flights going down to Texas. We're going to promote this film festival that still isn't quite, doesn't quite exist. Um, and uh, Vin is trying, you were trying to kind of like, I don't think it's going to happen because this is right yeah. when COVID was starting to oh, yeah. come out of it. Yeah. And it just became one of those things like, well, uh, we're having half a conversation about a <laughs> pandemic possibly coming and the other half about, this really awesome AI um, interactivity marketing stuff we were doing for the film festival. Got it. So it was like totally surreal. We had great stuff happening and we still have great stuff happening, but it was just this weird pandemic haze that was starting to just swallow right. everything. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's very recent for all of us, but it, it, in some ways it seems like it's a hundred years ago because yeah, it was the totally. longest year. But we're at the coffee shop and we had uh, our, our our press and media guy, uh, Mac Montanan, he was there. And I, I just remember you guys are both staring at me like I was in denial, but we had, <laughs> I, I said, let's just keep moving as if this is going to happen. Right. And uh, so we're planning and we're talking about the platform. Uh, as we got up to leave, I think, I don't know, Vin, if it was you or Max, looked at their phone and said, yeah. uh, they called it South by Southwest is off. So the reason I, I mentioned this is that, that that was kind of like the tipping point. Yeah. And maybe not everybody remembers. Yeah. But we weren't even sure if we should be sitting at a table with, together. with each other at a coffee shop. Things were starting, people were starting to wear masks, but nobody, you kind of like, why is that person wearing a mask? It's like out right. of a sci-fi film. Yeah, it was still you know? in the early days, yeah. And, and so South by Southwest was really that first indicator that a major event was not going to happen. Right. And uh, then there started to be talks of, of theater closures in New York. It was a very yep. grim time. Yep. It, it happened very fast. So um, what, what happened was Kino... We had their digital streaming up and running for Kino Now, mm -hmm. and Kino Now had they had this concept. We want to uh, we have all these films in the pipeline that would go to these art house theaters. They're all closing. We want to support the theaters, yeah. so we're going to use the Kino Now platform to uh, make it specific to the theater that you would normally go to see a first run film. And uh, they'll, uh, they'll do attribution for the revenue. So when you buy a ticket, mm -hmm. part of that, or 50%, I believe a 50% split yeah. would go to that art house theater. So Kino is like way out in front on this. Yeah. Uh, it just shows you what a great organization they were because yeah, for sure. uh, they were really supporting the, the theaters that had supported them throughout all these years. I see. So we, we were learning about it 
And uh, at first, what Kino was doing was they were setting up static landing pages. And a lot of people in the industry were started to do this, like create a page. And it's for now it's for like the Enzian Theater in Winter Park, Florida. And it's this film, but that's not sustainable. You can't do that for a thousand theaters across, right, right. you know, but, but people were really, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of panic. So we pitched an idea to Kino. Uh, let's build this system where we, uh, we have a database of every single theater. Mm-hmm. We have, a, we already have your database of every single film offering. Yep. Let's do the ticketing. Let's combine it all together. So that's when I land incredible. on the site, it's going to use geo uh, GOIP technology to, mm-hmm. to see where you're at. It's going to show your theaters and it's going to give you that. W- what theater do you want to choose? So now if I'm down in Winter Park, Florida, uh, I can, I'll see Enzian theater and I'll select that. When I purchase that ticket, we attribute it to that theater and they get a cut of that sale. That's- this happens so rapidly. Wow. Uh, so we pitched that idea. Kino, it was not, they loved it, but they was like, there's no way we can get this off the ground. Right. Uh, we're just going to keep doing these static pages. And meanwhile, they're wondering if the performance of the site is dropping because there's now like, they have hundreds of static pages. So uh, we made a decision at that point. Uh, you know what? Let's just build it. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll let's, let's build it. We've gone this far in describing how it would work. And we actually had some, some wireframe prototypes and so our lead developer, Craig Knoll, and I, uh, we, we just started building it. And in two weeks, we had built it out. And in our regular weekly call with Kino, we said, hey, we got this. Yep. And they were, they were like, uh, how, how, how do we use this? What's the licensing? What, you know? And we said, no, it's, it's yours. It's like, let's do this. Let's, let's get and this up. And that was the Kino Marquee, right? Kino Marquee. That's correct. Got it. And. Got it. Um, so we launched it. It was, it was that fast. I think that they just had, I think another week went by. So it was, uh, three weeks from first discussion to concept. And, uh, what was the the audience adoption look like back then? I mean, did people actually start buying tickets uh, virtually? What was the initial response? Like uh, immediately. Oh, really? It was insane. Like yes. Instantaneous. Uh, Yes. I, I once again, I'll, I'll t- tell everybody. Remember back to March uh-huh. and April. Yeah. Remember when Netflix actually yeah. kind of crashed? Yeah. And yep. when Vimeo <laughs> went offline. Yeah. Yep. We're all. I mean, I'm still working in my bedroom, but uh, I actually going to the you know the office is starting to open up. But uh, people were just sitting around. Schools yeah. <laughs> schools were closing. Wall. Yeah. And no, and yeah. so content, yeah. you know everybody was just mm. trying to, to suck up as much content. Right. So, um, so you already have, you know, we're, we're not talking about uh, your general Netflix audience. These are independent film lovers and art house. And they are films. New films, by the way. Right. So this is not, just and these are brand new films that are coming out. Yeah. So uh, there was already a passionate audience yeah. and they're, they're at home and they have nowhere to go. So they already knew about Kino yeah. and uh, actually uh, DVD and Blu-ray sales skyrocketed mm. because um, for, for across all of our clients, because there was a fear that I don't know if people know this, there was a fear that the internet was going to go it's down. Crash, yeah. streaming <laughs> services. So people started 
you know, how people were hoarding toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the, the secret is they're also hoarding Blu-rays. Like, right, yeah. Wow. There was a resurgence. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, so uh, it launched, mm -hmm. and I would say uh, uh, digital subscribership went up by about a thousand percent within a month. Wow. No. A thousand percent. This is insane. Uh, this is on Kino Marquee. Yeah. And yeah. the theaters were just, uh, you know, Kino was in a very special place where they had these relationships with the theaters. So they, they could roll this out. And then I think that month, they there was an article in Indie Film. Indie Film. That's where I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just saying, like, the Kino is like basically yeah kind of saving or throwing a lifeline to these theaters yeah. and then a lot of other uh, uh distributors started following suit i saw magnolia was putting together right. an offering we talked about working with them but everybody kind of went a different route uh for the most part but in this world they all everybody knows everybody right uh in a film distribution so yeah so maybe we, we you know just just to kind mm -hmm. of a, a have an order a little bit in in the minds of our audience in terms of the the term because it's so new and you're kind of uh, at the cutting edge of this new movement maybe if you can uh, define uh, clearly how you do you uh, what do you see as a virtual cinema experience and i know this is part of a larger uh, video streaming space yeah that's correct so where we started on our journey was with video streaming so we could do a film festival yeah. and also provide streaming services to the clients. But when virtual cinema, that, that term was coined and it really uh, blew up uh, beginning of last year, it refers to new theatrical releases uh -huh. that would generally go to theaters before they can enter into any kind of a platform such as Hulu or Netflix or any other independent platform. So uh, it was more like a preview for limited, maybe it's just, it's like a audience. screening. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a screening um, in, in the industry and distri distributing films yeah. there. It's it contractually, it, there's a pipeline where a theatrical release is, can only be shown in theaters Got and it. it cannot be shown on any digital platform. You, uh, you'll see uh, in 2019, it was a big deal that a few people were, uh, you know, Amazon was experimenting with mm -hmm. putting out a theatrical release at the same time as going online right. because it's, it's a contractual nightmare. Yeah. So um, virtual cinema for the, for the uh, consumer, the experience is, is tr it's similar to going to your local independent theater, buying a ticket, you know, that money is going to go to uh, that theater to support yep. it. And, the revenue is shared with the distributor and uh, it only is allowed to be distributed at that point through theaters. So at virtual cinema, it's not allowed to be uh, distributed online. So what virtual cinema does is it walks a line legally that it's being attributed. It allows the film distributors who want to help the theaters and they want to get their films out. It, it allows those theaters to continue business without violating their own terms of agreement, the distributor and letting other people distribute online. Yeah. So it, yeah. it keeps, it keeps that relationship where they get that first run in their community. So that's, that's what virtual cinema is. Right. So the experience for the user is they buy a ticket mm -hmm. and then they can watch it. it. It has a release date. 
So a lot of times films come out on a Thursday or Friday. So you'll, you'll see what films are going to be showing and then you can purchase the ticket in advance or while it's showing and you'll, you'll have a, a rental period and then it expires after that moves to uh, out of the uh, you know, virtual cinema. Yeah, that's, that may like make a lot of sense. And now that we have a little bit of understanding of, uh, about what is visual, virtual cinema, maybe Vinny, do you want to talk a little bit about, because uh, I've seen that you guys have worked with several festivals already. What is the end-to-end process? Who are the key players that involved in uh, creating a virtual cinema experience? Well, I think what we've learned is that we start off with a very clear picture of what we want to we offer the audience. Mm-hmm. Like Mike was saying yep. with virtual cinema, it allows that first run, that first engagement with a film that's new. And then we also want to have a curated experience that speaks to each brand. Mm-hmm. So each one of the brands and the companies that we work with yep. have their own approach and their own audience and their own relationship with that audience. So we try to simplify the messaging down, keep something, keep that look and feel consistent and have that expectation met from an audience that's already built into that physical space. Like one aspect would be um, in Music Box. Music Box in Chicago, they have a beautiful physical space Mm. that they wanted to make sure wasn't lost in the digital representation. I see. And so when we talk about brands, obviously this could be a movie theaters, it could be any other brands that you work with or typically it tends to be festivals or movie theaters. Well, this, they're both. I mean, I think we have, we have a, a, a good deal of a client roster that we've mm. allowed our, our, our process to be implemented to. One would be Lemley theaters Mm-hmm. Another one would be some of the film festivals like the New York Japan Film Festival, the Crack Festival, an Irish festival. Um, so we're able to take any of these brands and then tr- translate them into the digital space using these little key components like from Logic. Got it. So one thing I'm also curious, uh, and we talked a little bit about it, uh, the user experience. Uh, is it... Uh, you know, when I think about the film festival or a theatrical release of a brand new film, it's typically tend to be for a time-limited experience. And I wonder if you are, your platform is also supporting kind of the evergreen ongoing experience of community of the film buffs or just open to the public that basically they can always, you know, buy tickets and watch films. And is it also limited only just for your computer or it's, they can also, watch it on their big smart TV. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. <laughs> Mike, I, can't, I know you can't wait to say this. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, um, to answer those questions, it, it, there's, there is that evergreen experience, that w- which we would call video on demand. Yep. So uh, there's a library. You can have a library of uh, films that are available at all times. And then you differentiate that with the virtual cinema releases and or theatrical releases. So both mm. can exist. And, uh, you know, we're, we're big proponents of pushing the, the web-based experience as the best experience, but there's also OTT apps over, right. the, over the top apps. Yep. So you can watch on your, your set top, uh, you can watch mm. on your smart TV or through apps. So, uh, so in this case, we're, we're building an integration. With- 
you partnering with an OTT uh, channel and basically uh, pushing your content directly to them so they can actually watch it in their living room pretty much. That's correct. And we're in our logic platform uh, where we develop these sites, we've built in uh, uh, an, an MRSS feed, mm -hmm. which is a industry feed of uh, the, the video streams that can be shared. So nice. we're making uh, uh, Amazon Prime and uh, Hulu, not, it's not Hulu, uh, Roku integration so that it's really just a flip of a switch and you go through their provisioning process and you can have a channel Got it. Uh, on those yep. formats. And we're looking to expand that. But uh, that's going to be part of, we're going to launch that with our film festival uh, this fall. Uh, Brooklyn Sci-Fi Film Festival will have, will be on, you know, multiple channels. That's awesome. Right into maybe, your living room. Yeah, yeah maybe it's uh, the right time uh, if you would like to share a few examples and uh, just to kind of bring it to life uh, to our uh, audience on uh, video that's watching this now. Sure. Uh, I, I've got a few examples. Um, then was just talking about uh, Music Box Direct, uh -huh. a service. Now, Music Box is a theater in Chicago, but they're also an independent film distributor. Mm -hmm. So they're an interesting client where uh, they have their own library of films, but they also do virtual cinema to replace uh, their, their offerings that were in theater. So. So this is like the consumer experience heading to that uh, virtual cinema platform? Mm -hmm. So yes. you'll see these are virtual cinema where you have New This Week and then they'll have uh, New This Week will be releases are probably coming out uh, today. So uh, let me go watch now. And you can, you know, you can purchase the rental right here or you can add it to your watch list. This is a three, this one's a three day rental. Mm -hmm. and, and are there any community aspects where, you know, people can actually share their experiences or maybe have a, you know, virtual panel discussion with the filmmakers, almost like a festival feel, or this is more kind of typical the theatrical release where you just watch the film. Yeah, not, not so much with the virtual cinema. We do have the ability to have a discussion forum or a watch party. And uh, it, it can fit into hmm. uh, something like for music for any of these clients um, because they may have like a premiere or an event. And right. we have done that. We, we did something with Kino twice with the, the um, nursing during COVID and uh, I see. a documentary on, on uh, urgent care workers. Got and that, that was a, a huge success. Mm -hmm. um, so this is Music Box, and this is a good example of somebody who's doing virtual cinema, but also has a, a library of films that you can can watch on a subscription basis, or you can rent if you're not a subscriber. Yep. Yep. And uh, then you had mentioned Limley. Yeah. Limley is another interesting one that is also uh, a chain of theaters out in California. Mm -hmm. Limley is a historic name in, in independent film. Uh, Carl Limley was the founder of Universal Pictures back in the 30s. Oh, I see. And then his nephews, are, uh, later in the 30s, founded uh, Limley Theaters. Mm -hmm. And so they've been a historic uh, art house theater uh, and big supporter of independent film. So uh, 
early in the year, they approached us after we launched Kino Marquee. And we saw this second wave of theaters that were developing their own virtual cinema offerings to have their catalog. And they work in conjunction with Kino. They're distributing Kino Lorber films. So this example uh, here is Limley Theater's virtual cinema offering. Uh, Greg Limley is one of the founders. So they have a Greg's list. And then these are now playing. Right. And uh, this is cool. And you have a festival example that uh, maybe you can show a little bit of uh, the experience. Sure. I'll show you uh, New York Japan Cinefest uh-huh. is this is one that's that's closed now, but we're preparing yep. for uh, they're going to have a couple of festivals this year. But I, I've brought up uh, the, the prior one. So this would be more of a festival ex- example because it's disabled. We can't yeah, yeah. actually see the films right now. But, but, this, um, but that's the one you mentioned earlier about the community aspects and the mm-hmm. the director interviews, panel discussions, all that. That's right. We also have our festival, uh, mm-hmm. Brooklyn Sci-Fi Film Festival. Yeah. Uh, this one has a uh, hundred short films and several features. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because it's a festival site, we divide it up into categories. We also had an original uh, curated series called The Six Borough, where right. we would highlight uh, films each night with an event. Mm-hmm. We did uh, several film, uh, we celebrated uh, an anniversary of a documentary on William Gibson that, who coined the term cyber. So that was really great yep. for us. And there was, there was an interview here that we have archived that you can watch. Yeah. And but then we also- One thing uh, I'm wondering, with, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of the festivals, obviously, you know, you think about it on a time limited basis because this is during the, the festival, but I'm wondering, you know, looking ahead, you know, once we are post pandemic, do you see the festivals continuing uh, having a virtual cinema component while they're having an offline experience or, you know, you see, you know, just a, a twist to one side. Then why don't you speak to that? I'll let you get in there. You, since you've got you've got direct hands-on experience with the festivals, I do. I think that you know, post-pandemic and into the future, this is the future. We're mm-hmm. here. The future is now. Yeah. Um, they're going to be hand in glove. You're going to have an experience that will be in the spaces and in brick and mortar spaces, but they will be shored up and maybe possibly enhanced. Mm-hmm. online and OTT because you're able to connect with your audience at where they are. You're, you're bringing the product to them as it's opposed like to having, audience, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And you, you know, you can make that a richer experience as you build that relationship and reiterate that experience as you go forward with it. Got it. No, that makes like a lot of sense. You know, I would think that uh, especially, you know, when you have a, a festival with a very unique experience, Obviously, sometimes it's connected to a landmark, you know, building that, you know, the facility. But then again, if you can actually broadcast it live or have a, an online component, uh, I think initially it started as a Facebook Live, maybe very, very simple of, a, you know, panel discussions. But, you know, to your point, if you can expand it to kind of really replicating and mirroring the, some of the experience attendees are actually experiencing, you know, both in terms of watching the films 
and the community aspects around it. You know, I think this is a, an incredible uh, accomplishment. So I want to kind of move uh, plus, a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to add that plus the level of engagement is higher. So yep. if people are coming to the theater to see something, it's a one dimensional relationship where they come in and they take. Yep. And you offer and they take. But here we're able to continue a dialogue and add on to that dialogue, whether it's through discussion forums or enhanced features that they wouldn't be able to do in the cinema and can revisit at different times and dates. So that that relationship gets a little deeper, I think. Yeah, and I think maybe you just made me think, you know, typically a festival is happening once a year. How can you retain engagement and also monetizing the relationship with the audience uh, between the, this uh, marquee <laughs> and date one, once a year? So if you can exactly. create a virtual cinema and build a community and some engagement uh, to your point, then you know this is a great way to keep uh, building your audience uh, between uh, you know official uh, festival uh, dates. Maybe they will never be at an official festival date again. We'll never, we'll have to see. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> It'll <Yeah>. be forever. <laughs> so let's talk about, because of my audiences, really marketers, entrepreneurs, you know, how all this virtual cinema uh, could be relevant to a, a marketer that maybe is, you know, presenting a mid to large enterprise uh, brand. It could be B2B or B2C, it doesn't matter. But how this type of platform, I mean, the, the immediate thing, thing I'm thinking about is maybe use that platform for a, a virtual conference uh, where you have audiences audience that you want to engage in a different ways. But this is just my idea. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I think that um, just as we saw now, once again, a year later, South by mm -hmm. Southwest has gone virtual yep. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of uh, major conferences have gone virtual. It opens up a lot of opportunities. Um, I, because we build in these virtual cinema capabilities into our logic platform, mm -hmm. we're actually approaching some of our clients that are not in the entertainment or film industry. It's really interesting. And we're, we're letting them know that they, they have these capabilities built into their CMS. Mm -hmm. So for example, we work with a couple of nonprofits and one of our nonprofit organization, really great organization called world connect, mm -hmm. uh, world connect, uh, does microfunding and supports uh, Peace Corps initiatives in uh, I think 30 or more countries mm -hmm. around the world. So they have projects they have, and they, they recently uh, made a short film about one of their projects. So we were involved in certain promotional aspects of that. And I had mentioned to uh, their executive director you know, you should do a film festival uh, mm -hmm. because this is, you had a filmmaker tell the story of uh, this women's co-op yep. in, in, in Costa Rica developing a, a small business. And it's, it's very compelling and there's an audience for that. So uh, the concept was very foreign to them, but they want to keep that discussion open. So I don't think film festivals are, are necessarily just for science fiction or yep or Tribeca or major releases. Um, yeah, one thing that I think to, to your point, I think it just made me re remember that, you know, if you look at the major brands and maybe this is something you're already guys working on, like Patagonia, uh, Charles Schwab, uh, Johnson & Johnson, they all have their own film departments already. 
And yes. what they create is long form uh, branded films that you don't see the product there, but it's all about supporting their larger narrative. Like Patagonia is all about the environment, climate change. So mm-hmm. over time, these brands have collected enough filmed content that maybe could justify, you know, uh, creating a virtual cinema experience. Yeah, I think I think you it's it's an innovative way to create a brand experience that's not overtly heavy handed and engages the user. So yep. it's just another it's another tool, especially with, uh, you know, consumers really crave content driven mm-hmm. messaging versus older traditional. Right, right. Yeah, I don't want to knock print media or anything, but yeah. if you can tell a story or pr- provide a narrative. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It's I also think it's, it's assumed now, right? I mean, it's not just something that is a nice thing to have. It's an yep. assumed arm, an extension of a brand, or 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 any any festival or anything. You, you just the, the audience is assuming it's there already, and if you don't have it, that's mm-hmm. where the disconnect happens. Yep. So I think companies need to really embrace that. And they no, will for sure. Let's talk about uh, accountability a little bit. So can you talk a little bit about the business model, uh, Vinny? You know, when you create a virtual cinema, how, what is the business model behind it? You know, how the re- revenue is shared? Who are the key players? I think Mike would be best to speak to Mike, this. Mike, okay, go yeah. for it, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I can give a little bit of insight there, but we're really not involved in that end of it. Right. Uh, so nice. we work with film distributors and we work with uh, theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some cases, filmmakers, uh, they, we adhere to whatever their contractual requirements are. So there, as I mentioned previously, there's, there are different rights that people acquire to a film at different, uh, points in its, its lifetime. And eventually it becomes part of a catalog somewhere typically. So, uh, a big thing is attribution and reporting. So, um, independent film distribution there there isn't like any one particular platform Mm -hmm. but uh what we do is we'll connect via api to whatever their reporting platform is some some uh organizations have their own they've developed their own uh platform like uh think of it as uh like a, a CRM system or some yep. kind of a reporting platform. So we plug into that mm-hmm. and then uh, everything else we, we have on our side, we have uh, monetization settings mm-hmm. where they would plug in the requirements uh-huh. of, okay, this, this film has the right to be purchased. It can be rented for this period at this amount. It, it can be part of our subscription service. So they have control over that. I see. And then we record every view and uh, how it was consumed, and that goes into reporting and attribution, which it's not even really on the logic side. We do have the ability to show that reporting, but these distributors already have a system. So think about it for a small business, maybe related to it if you have QuickBooks, so you're, you're billing. So think about their attribution systems as like a QuickBooks where we're just connected to an API. Yeah. We put in all the sales data. And, and they have the uh, revenue populist. share of business rules on their end, yeah. their system to kind of cut it to with the movie theater and, and you know, the distributors and others. That makes yeah. sense. And, and I, I think basically, I believe in most cases, it's on a monthly basis. They go and they reconcile mm. and they pay out. 
And I say that because if something goes wrong, we hear about it. It's typically they say, <laughs> right. hey, we're doing this month's report. Yeah. And, you know, so right. but that's about the extent of so we're, we're not involved in negotiating any deals. I see. On that side. But. I see. And, and from a success criteria, when you, you know, completed a project for a festival or for a distributor, like, you know, you know, how do you measure success? What are you looking beyond just, you know, sales of tickets? I think that uh, there's a lot of different ways to gauge success. They're looking at, um, you know, uh, acquiring an audience. So building up those registered members. Oh, yeah. They're obviously they're looking at ticket sales. They're looking at uh, growth. And uh, across those metrics, it's been widely successful for everybody involved in the programs Mm -hmm. that we're doing. And I would just extend that out. We're not the only people doing this now. I'm I'm sure I, I, I hope that all, all platforms are finding success mm-hmm. in uh, supporting these independent theaters and filmmakers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going back to something you mentioned before, I think when, as theaters open, we're already working with our clients. How do we convert virtual cinema to live in a world where theaters are open? So we're going to make that seamless. Yeah. So the play dates, what we call play dates, list for in theater and virtual or both. So it, it'll be a natural transition and it will continue to support theaters. Thank you. So, I mean, this has been fantastic uh, journey to kind of get into a brave new world that you guys have been uh, part of the, you know, the initial pioneers, which is uh, fantastic. So I want to close with a general question and uh, Vinny, maybe you want to uh, take this, you know, what would you say is, uh, would be your top three tips for any uh, brand marketers or that is looking to get into virtual cinema and really get the maximum uh, value out of it? I would say to start with a very clear idea of the tone and manner and conversation you want to lead with, with your audience and make sure that you're starting simply so you can accomplish that. And once that's defined to start building slowly so that your audience has a sense of an anchored relationship with the brand. So mm-hmm. that as they build, you you add more to that relationship and then they start to engage at a higher level with that relationship. Right. So don't and start then, with the two bells and whistles right away, kind of build it gradually. No, no. No, start with a clear understanding of what you can offer at a really, really high level. I see. And an expected level. So that, you know, you're, you're basically under-promising and over-delivering. Got it. Very cool. So I want to thank you both for a really a great conversation. And, you know, I really wish you, you know, a huge success moving ahead because I think, you know, virtual cinema is really something that is, you know, my background, as you, we all, you know, we discussed earlier is also kind of have an interest from the classic Italian cinema festival that I've been mm-hmm. involved in the past. So I know this world and I'm really excited about this opportunity to reach new audiences. And at the same time, would, for me is, is the great uh, aspect of your story that you're actually giving back and helping out a, a whole movie theater industry that is really under distress right now because of the pandemic. And maybe to your point, Mike, you know, moving forward, you know, this could be another additional revenue channel to them once they're open uh, with the virtual uh, revenues. So if a uh, anyone would like to uh, learn more about uh, virtual cinema, how they can contact you both. Maybe you can give us your contact information. 
Sure. Uh, the best place to start at our website, which is cyber-ny.com. That's okay. uh, C-Y-B-E-R-N-Y.com. And uh, it's easy to reach me, uh, yep. Mike at cyber-ny.com. Awesome. All right, cool. And don't forget to tune in this fall for the Brooklyn <laughs> Sci-Fi Film Festival coming to you everywhere, both on your screens, whether they're in your house or in your hand. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And it's been a great pleasure. And for all of you watching or listening, you know, I'll see you in our next episode of Visual Storytelling Today podcasts. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Tommy. Bye. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.